Are you ready? Are you prepared? Well, you might say, okay, ready or prepared for what? Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit toward the end, end of the message. You know, recently with this uh, big winter storm that we had, 16 inches, I think we got about 16 inches. I know Tim said they got 18 inches in Roanoke. They got more than we got, but 16 inches was bad enough. But, you know, that was really a, a great far as forecasting that a week in advance. They really did a great job. And it, it felt good for me to prepare myself because I went out and I, I got my wood stuff. I got an alternate heat source, wood stove. So I got my firewood up. Uh, I think Tracy went to the grocery store, you know, milk and eggs, whatever you need, all the bread or whatever. Got fuel for my generator in case the power went out because that's very common where I live. And uh, I did all that, and I told Teresa, I said, you know, it, it feels good to be prepared. You can relax, you can kick back, and you can enjoy the moment or enjoy the fact that you, you did whatever was necessary to prepare for this storm that was coming. Now, so I'm very grateful for the technology that we have today that, that warns us ahead of time. But I started thinking, what did people do before radio and television? You know, people who lived on a farm uh, with no communication to the outside world. You know, I started thinking about, okay, what they did was they prepared ahead of time. Prepar preparation was a way of life for these people. It's just what they did every day. Every single day, because they knew winter was coming. So they gathered their firewood. All during the summer months, they gathered their food stuff. They canned. They 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 got their meats into the you know the pack house or whatever. Um, whatever they needed, they prepared ahead of time. Preparation was a way of life. It's just what they did every single day. You know, it was not. Well, I'll wait till the last minute. You know, I'll I'll wait till I see the first snowflake, and I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll go out there and cut me some wood, or I'll go go get me some food, and and maybe I should have planted a garden. No, it was a it was a way of life for these people. <laughs> of course, today, you know, you you see people in the news, you know, hurricane warnings. You know, they they've been given those in advance. You know, a week out, and people. No, I'm going to stick with it. If I just buy me some, as one comedian said, if I just buy me some plywood and, and plywood my windows and doors, everything will be okay. Uh, well, it doesn't work like that, you know. Uh, hurricanes pay no attention to plywood, you know. It's just <laughs> but people, you know, they're, they're not much on preparing themselves. So the question is, are we ready? Are we prepared as a people? Do we live our lives in an alert, ready, prepared state of mind? Uh, I was reading something on the internet about why school shootings are so rare in Israel where guns are such a common sight. And I was, I was going to, I should have brought a picture, but it was a picture of a couple of school kids, a couple of boys walking and, you know, there was a soldier here, a soldier there, a soldier, about four or five soldiers with AK-47s. And, and the point was that Israel stays in an alert, prepared mode continuously because they are hated and that, that's the way they have to live their life. They're always prepared uh, to defend themselves against evil continuously. What about us? Are we prepared? Prepared for what? Well, 
prepared for anything. <laughs> Are we prepared when a crisis comes our way? Or do we have an emotional meltdown? You ever met people like that? It's like, oh, something's going wrong in my life. I can't take it. Okay, a crisis come your, comes your way. Are you prepared for a crisis? You know, life is not a bed of roses. Things go wrong from time to time. How do you handle those situations? Are you prepared? When things go wrong, how are you prepared? Well, let me ask you, are you prepared? When things go wrong, are you prepared to fix it? You know, just okay, this can be fixed. I will fix this. Uh, do we fix the thing that went wrong? And of course, you know, that saying, you know, insanity is to keep repeating the same old thing that doesn't work. A lot of times we do that. Instead of being prepared, we just keep doing something that's really not working over and over again. Are you prepared, and this is a good one, are you prepared to get old? You know, why would I say that? Because one thing I've figured out is you get older, your body slows down. And because your body slows down, evidently I've got to prepare myself to work less. <laughs> and that means less money, does it not? Am I prepared for that? Now, I can tell you, no, I'm not prepared. Am I prepared for retirement? Well, and why, why would I not be? I mean, think about how most people live their lives. It's like, it's a fantasy in some, you know, when I turn 65, I'm going to get me a money tree. I'm just going to, I'm going to walk out and there's that money tree. We, we don't think about it. I mean, it's like, why, why what? Social Security. I think I figured out that I was going to get 1200 a month. I can't live off 1200 I can't live off what I'm making now. You know? But am I prepared for this? You know? Probably not. Probably not. Not at all. Young people. We don't have a lot of young people here, but, but let's say, are you prepared to get out of your parents' home? <laughs> uh, this is a phenomenon I don't understand. You know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I, I could taste it getting out from under my parents' authority. I mean, I, I, the dream of moving away, the dream of getting married, the dream of, of it's just something I could taste, and I, I wanted that. And, uh, and I, think, I think what's going on today is that today's parents create such a comfort zone for their children that they don't want to leave home. I mean, think of it. There's no correction, no discipline, no bills. We have a guy that works with us. His, I think he's 24. His mother still packs his lunch. 24. And he's, he's got a nice lunch. <laughs> Why would he change that? <laughs> I would love to share his lunch. I mean, I would love to have that part of his lunch, but... But it's nice. I mean, his mother prepares it. He's 24, and his mother's still preparing his, his, his lunch. And for me, I think the word, it was not that my parents were cruel or mean, but it was an unpleasant, if you, if you can grasp this, it was an unpleasant environment. I wanted to get out from under my parents' authority. That's what was unple unpleasant. It wasn't that they were mean or cruel or anything. It was just that was unpleasant for me. And, I, boy, I was ready to get out of there. I wanted to get out from under my parents' authority. I wanted to prove I could make it on my own. I wanted to prove to the world I could make it on my own. But on the other hand, if there is no authority in the home, why would you ever want to leave it? Uh, you know, someone jokingly said, you know, the American dream used to be, you know, get out as soon as possible. But today the American dream is to get your 36-year-old son out of the basement who's still living there. 
That's the American dream today. And uh, it's sort of funny, you know. Well, not really. Uh, <laughs> if you desire something, are you prepared to work for it? Now, again, this is a phenomenon that, that I often see with some people. There's a disconnect. It's like, I want this, I should have it. The disconnect is, no, you've got to work for it. Uh, you know, that's the disconnect. Uh, I, I, I want this, I have to work, I have to earn the money to pay for it. But often you see that, that disconnect. You know, the, dis, the disconnect might be Proverbs 14 and verse 23 that says, all work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So you can't just talk about it. You can't just fantasize about success. You can't just dream your life away. You've got to get out there and, and, and do it, you know, make it happen. But on the other hand, if you've been given everything by your parents, car, a car, insurance paid for, place to stay, food on the table, why would you ever leave that comfort zone? You know, you wouldn't. You would, you would never leave that comfort zone. Uh, are we prepared to pay our bills? Okay, 40% of Americans can't pay their bills. Uh, bankruptcy happens all the time. Uh, I was reading an article about this. About 40% of Americans can't pay their bill, and it said realistically there's only so much credit cards to go around. And that, what that tells me is that people are just living off their credit cards. And they may make a payment that doesn't even cover, barely covers the interest. And it's, it's how many can I get? How many cards can I get? You know, um, okay, are you ready to pay? Your, are we prepared to pay our bills? Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 4 says this. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 4. It says, when you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which you have vowed. So I look at it as, you know, if I sign on the dotted line, not only am I obligated to the lending institution, it's an obligation I've made before God to pay my vows, to pay this thing. Remember when I, you know, my, my first car I wanted when I was 16, my father took me to the bank, he co-signed for me, and uh, I was grateful for that, a father would do that, but, you know, he made it very clear, look boy, you know, you don't make this payment, that car goes back to the bank. And I had no illusion that it would not. <laughs> you know, it was not that, well, he'll take care of it. Oh, no. <laughs> and I wanted that car very badly, and so I made my payments. It was $146 a month. The car was $4,600. That's what it cost. And uh, I can still remember that, and I wanted that car ba badly, and so I made my payments. Made my payments. If you're a Christian, are you prepared for spiritual warfare? Think about that. Are we prepared for spiritual warfare that goes on in our lives daily? Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I think I just used that verse last week. Let me break it down to you from a different translation. The Message Bible says this about this same verse. It says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we're walk away from or forget about in just a couple hours. In other words, this is not a battle that you just you fight for two hours and then forget about it. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. I thought, wow, what a blunt way of putting it. 
This is life or death against the, the devils and his angels. And it's not just a couple hour fight. You know, as Heather was bringing up in, in her comments, that it, it's not just a, it's daily. It's every day, this battle. And I think the reason why often we lose the temptation is because we're not prepared. We're, we're just not prepared for this spiritual warfare that goes on in our lives daily. Are we prepared? You know, if Jesus visited your home, would you be, be prepared to take him in? You know? And I was thinking about, you know, I was looking at, I've been burning fire wood, my wood stove. My back porch looks like a sloppy mess. Wood is messy. Don't ever start burning wood. Uh, uh, you know, I quit it and then started it back. And, and I, all of a sudden I remembered, this is why I quit burning wood. Uh, it, it ruins your whole house. And uh, the back porch is all just, and the dogs are getting on there. And I thought, I, I wouldn't even want to invite Jesus into my home right now. It looks, that, it, looks, it looks bad. If you picked up Jesus on the side of the road, hitchhiking, hitchhiking, would you have to apologize and go to the dumpster first and say, let me clean this thing out. Let me dump all this stuff out of my vehicle so you can sit in it. You know? <laughs> are, are we prepared? Just using these examples. Um, now, here's the thing I started thinking about with this message. Can I assume that I am a Christian and not be prepared in every avenue of my life? In other words, when crisis comes, I'm not prepared. I have a meltdown. When I need to fix things, I'm not prepared. I, I say, forget it. Uh, I'm not prepared to move out and start a life of my own. I'm not prepared to pay my bills. I'm not prepared to get old. I'm not prepared for retirement. I'm not, I'm not prepared for spiritual battles. No, I, th I think this, when Jesus said, you know, be prepared, he's talking about a little bit more to, he's not just talking about sitting cross-legged, you know, and reading your Bible 24-7 and saying, I'm ready for Jesus. You know, he's, he's talking about preparation in a lot of areas of our lives that, that we need to be prepared. Someone said, you will probably be living your life when Christ returns exactly like you're living it right now. You know, it's, and that's true. One day I'm going to be prepared for this. One day I'm going to get my act together. One day I'm going to, to change these things. No, today is the day. Being prepared is how a Christian lives his life. It's a way of life, you see. Now, I think this. Because we are spoiled as a nation, we, Americans, are the most unprepared people in the world. Oh, man. It's like the teenage boy who is so spoiled at home, he has no need to move out. He is so spoiled. And so there's no need to get out of that comfort zone. I think, as a nation, we are totally unprepared. Um, Luke 12 and verse 40, Luke 12 and verse 40, Jesus said this. He said, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes at, a, at an hour when you think not. It's almost like it's, it says, I'm going to take you by surprise. I guarantee you I'm going to take you by surprise. Be ready, for the Son of Man comes in an hour when you think not. And we have a tendency, I know I have a tendency to think, well, I'll be dead and gone by the time Christ returns. There's no guarantee of that. None whatsoever. I think 
things could escalate so very quickly. We nearly sold our America's birthright of freedom in this last election. We came so close to selling it out. Had that happened, and I don't know if we're going to have a reprieve of four or eight years, but sooner or later we, we will sell out our birthright freedom for socialism. And when that happens, I think you'd be surprised how quick things can escalate and we'll find us, ourselves on the brink of Christ's return, which, is, which really is a good thing. I mean, it really is. Now, okay, if a person sets a date, let me, let me digress, because it says, you know, this verse says, uh, be ye ready, therefore, also for the Son of Man comes in an hour when you think not. Back in 2016, there was a guy setting dates. I think it was May 21st. We used to ride down, we'd ride down to see our daughter in Charleston, South Carolina, and it was big billboard signs. May 21st, Christ is going to return. I mean, this guy spent a lot of money. Of course, it didn't happen. But you know, if someone had the date right, Christ would deliberately change it to make this verse true. You know, no man knows the day or an hour or whatever. He would change it. Having said that, I want to say this. That probably, you know, major events occur on God's holy days. You know, the Passover, when those lambs were being slaughtered, Christ was on the cross giving his life. Uh, you know, Pentecost, the Spirit became available on the day of Pentecost. The things occur. Okay, trumpets, Christ returns, resurrects the dead. Okay, so I, I think as God's people, we can have a lot better understanding of when Christ is going to return. We don't know what trumpets, but we are, we're going to be a lot more prepared to know than mainstream churchianity, who doesn't keep these days. At least we'll have a good idea. Okay, we are nearing the feast, the trumpets, or whatever, and uh, Christ is, is going to return. So I think we'd have a better understanding of that, although we shouldn't set those dates. Um, are we prepared for the return of Christ? As a nation, we are not because we are spoiled. I think as a nation, if, if, you know, most people don't want Christ to return. You know, if you would ask most people, they would say, no, I, don't, no, I don't want that. You know, now, this is not true of other nations, poverty-stricken nations like Africa. They want, I mean, they don't have their Walmarts, their Macy's, their, you know, their, all the, the movies and, and all their iPads and iPhones and all the things to do, to do. No, they want Christ to return because they don't have it so good. You know, America's, Americans have too much invested in this world. We have too much invested in this world. And for that reason, I think we don't anticipate, we don't look forward to the return of Christ. Our, you know, and, and, and often we are not prepared. We're not prepared. I want to look at this verse, Matthew 25 and verse 1. Matthew 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil. Think about that one. It's like I got a flashlight, but I forgot to buy the batteries, you know. It's a wonderful flashlight. I mean, it puts out a bright light. I just need my batteries. I didn't get no batteries. You know. Doesn't make any sense, you know. Uh, but the wise took their oil and their, and their vessels with their lamps, and while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, you know, the cry goes out. The bridegroom is returning. Christ is returning. 
Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us all your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Oh, no, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather and to them that sell and buy it. In other words, get your act together. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Ah, you know, it's like that country western song. It's a little too late to do the right thing now. And, uh, and But what someone once said about this verse is that if you could draw a line down the middle of a church, this verse reveals half are ready, half are prepared, half will be asleep at Christ's returns. Half the church will be totally unprepared for this major event. He concludes by saying, Matthew 25 and verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. Are we prepared for the return of Christ? What I want to conclude with is this, this simple statement. I think, as I look at this, that preparation is a way of life that is a reflection, reflected in every avenue of our lives. You know, we, we, we have a, an alert preparation mode that we should be in. So the question is, I'll leave you with, are you ready? Are you prepared?